Hello, welcome to the Science Basement podcast. Episode number 11. Last time we didn't remark that we were at episode number 10. Yeah. We're already done 10. That's really impressive. Yeah. Are we going to take a summer break, by the way? I think so. Probably in July. Okay. And then we'll have season two of the Science yeah, Basement. Yeah, exactly. Episode. Exactly. We need a summer break just to, to start a new season. Yeah. But who do we have this time? Our guest is Juan Landoni, uh, who works at the University of Helsinki on myth- mitochondrial medicine. Welcome, Juan. Hi. So first of all, and we already we already noticed how, how this word is not very known since I've, I've already almost pronounced it wrongly. So sp- explain, <laughs> explain what are mitochondria. So mitochondria, if you check it, High school textbook, mitochondria are defined as the powerhouse of the cell. They are parts of all eukaryotic cells, so our cells are eukaryotic, so they have plenty of mitochondria, and they are the part that produces the most of the energy currency of the cell. So they produce the things that the cell uses to, to go through processes and to build up the, their structures. But those who study mitochondria, we think that it's not only, and we have evidence for the statement that it's not only the powerhouse of the cell. Mitochondria regulates plenty of other processes and generates the building blocks for a lot of, uh, generates a lot of stuff that the cell needs. And can we find mitochondria on, in every kind of cell? Because of course we have different kinds of cells. We have, we have blood cells and, and yeah, other kinds. So are mitochondria in each uh, different kind of our cells? So actually, you mentioned a particular kind of cell that is one of the few ones that doesn't have it. So blood cells, red blood cells, have the peculiarity that they lose their mitochondria because they don't need it. They just mainly function as uh, energy, as oxygen transport. But most other cells in the body contain mitochondria in different amounts and different in different ways. But most of our cells in the body have mitochondria. And so why is mitochondrial medicine important? What are you studying? So in our lab, we focus on mitochondrial disease and mitochondrial function. So as I said, mitochondria is very important for the cell's energy and for the cell metabolism, building stuff and functioning correctly. And uh, mitochondria are highly important for that. And they're regulated by the cell itself, but also mitochondria can regulate itself. Not many people know this, but mitochondria have the particularity as well of having their own genome. They have DNA inside the organelle and they can divide all the time independently of the cell. So inside the cell, there is DNA in the nucleus, but there is also DNA in mitochondria. And uh, different problems with the DNA mitochondria or with the DNA in the nucleus can affect the function of mitochondria and can cause very severe diseases. But actually, why is it that... that, uh... In one cell, we have our the cells DNA in their in their nucleus, I assume. And then, why do mitochondria have their own set of DNA? Actually, that's a fascinating little story, and it's well, it's quite now agreed upon that mitochondria used to be a bacteria. There used to be a bacterium that was free in the world, and the rest of the cell was another bacterium that was free in the world because bacteria don't have organelles and mitochondria. And it's thought that at some point, this one bacteria decided to eat another bacteria, so it englobed it. But then instead of basically digesting it, it decided somehow they agreed upon staying together. 
So that mitochondria has a double membrane, which is basically the membrane of the original uh, bacteria and then the membrane of the other one that englobed it. And then the genomes, they actually started sharing genes and then mitochondria started sending genes to the to the other cells. So most of our genes are in the nucleus and then there is, for example, 13 uh, protein genes are in, left in the mitochondria. So it's a very tiny piece of DNA, but it's still there and mitochondria divide independently because they're actually still bacteria. And this it's thanks to those bacteria that actually we get to be as complex as we are as living things. It's thought that that's the origin of complexity of life. That's the origin of animals and plants and etc. is because that bacteria got inside the other one and made energy and synthesis of, uh, of different biomolecules much more efficient. So we basically have a little alien inside each one of our cells. Lots of those aliens, because oh actually there is thousands into each one of the cells. Oh. And it's thanks to them that we're like this. This kind of thing happened once again with plants, because they also got the chloroplast. The chloroplast, which is the green little organelle that makes that helps plants do photosynthesis, and give oxygen to this planet is another bacterium that was englobed by a cell that already had mitochondria and they also decide to stay. So the uh-huh. two stories make the world as we know it. Yeah. But then this this sort of invading bacteria, whatever, like yeah, guest bacteria, whatever. So in both cases they're the ones responsible for transforming this energy. I mean that was their main Yeah, I guess there. that's I mean, of course, this is all very hypothetical and there's a lot of evidence uh for this but of course we cannot go back and see exactly how it happened but yes the the ability of deal with energy much better and to generate basically to generate the reactions required for complex life uh is probably what selected these uh bacteria to stay evolution works in the way that if something helps you survive and reproduce then it stays and it develops further. And this probably helped this early living organisms become much more efficient at making energy and surviving and reproductive traits. So they were able to keep it. We're not sure how, and we're still not sure how does mitochondria communicate with the cell. Are they still fighting? Maybe the mitochondria are still trying to survive being eaten up. Because uh, <laughs> it's been millions and millions of years, but there is still this communication that is still strange to us. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's so complicated. So, for example, uh, we know about how cancer works, that one cell is uh, like, okay, a group of cells are, are sick and they, and they just reproduce themselves. So that happens through to, uh, to the entire cell. How, how does a mit- mitochondrial disease develop? Like, do we have a, my, uh, a sick mitochondria while, while the rest of the cell is still, is still um, sane? Or, or, or does a mitochondrial disease then spread to the entire cell and make it sick? Yeah, so the, usually cancer is particular in that it has uh, many mutations and it accumulates muti- mutations which make the cell grow faster. Uh, in the case of mitochondrial disease, it's usually one particular mutation or one small problem that makes the cell uh, struggle to grow because mitochondria are needed for the energy and for building. So if there's problems with mitochondria, then the cell will, will struggle to grow 
And then, well, for example, a human trying to develop might have very severe developmental problems because their cells are struggling to grow and develop. So that's so. I have a question regarding that. What are the symptoms of a disease, mitochondrial disease? So mitochondrial diseases cannot be defined as for with one specific symptom other than the fact that they have mitochondrial dysfunction because each one of them, each different mutation, each different problem has a very specific uh, phenotype. Phenotype is how we refer to the symptoms and how the how the disease shows. So some of them generate uh, problems with muscles, some of them generate problem mental problems or psychiatric problems or uh, liver dysfunction, the different tissues and cells are affected differently depending on which mitochondrial disorder we're talking about. So when you go to the hospital and you have some of these symptoms, how do you know, how does the doctor know it's it's mitochondrial and not something else? It's highly difficult actually and doctors need to be, mo- most of the doctors that are able to fully identify mitochondrial diseases are highly trained and they're aware of them. That's why it's very important for mitochondrial diseases to be made aware of because they are rare disorders but they're not as rare as we thought they were and misdiagnosis can happen very often so it's required several specific uh, tests are done that might make you suspect mitochondrial disease from blood tests etc and then once those tests go through then more specific tests from maybe muscle biopsies or more specific checkups need to be done to then confirm that the mitochondrial disease is such. Is there a particular uh, age group that is more more um, prone to get mitochondrial diseases or, or can it just happen at any stage of one's life? The diseases can affect any age group. So depending on the disease and depending on the mutation, the patient might present symptoms at a very early age, at a middle age, a very adult age, be maybe even old people might have might present it, and others actually, it's thought that uh, Parkinsonism is highly related to mitochondria and, and could be defined as a mitochondrial disease. So they really can affect different age types or be started by something else. Maybe an infection can actually generate the body enough stress to then present the mitochondrial disease that was already there but just not active. So how about like when you go to a doctor and you? Sh- Maybe this is, an, I don't know, when you get a blood test, I don't know what all the stuff that they're looking at, but I don't, is it very holistic when we go to a doctor? I mean, are they really trying to put, t- like, because you said it could be a, um, an, a psychiatric um, symptom or it could be a muscle symptom. So those two things are so di- different that I'm just thinking when you go to a doctor, how much is the doctor really looking at you as a one whole piece? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it, it depends on what your symptoms are, I guess. I'm, I'm not a medical doctor myself, mm-hmm. but the, the normal kind of standard clinical tests should show, if you have some kind of symptom, should show a pattern that might rise suspicion. But definitely further tests are required for, to confirm that suspicion. But the, the general tests, if you have a symptom, should present. But yeah, for hints. example, I think that I've read that... Uh, a number of mitochondrial diseases were, were mistreated as uh, epilepsy, for example. So epilepsy is can happen in certain mitochondrial diseases. Certain mitochondrial diseases present epilepsy as one of the symptoms. And uh, a, the particular story that I think you're referring to 
is that uh, a, a specific disease that actually is relatively common in Finland uh, presents epilepsy, but at the same time presents a high sensitivity for one of the most common medicines for epilepsy. And that was not known and it generated very big problems for the patients who had the disease and the epilepsy because then they had uh, huge liver damage because of this medicine. And now that we've learned this, now that we have done research on this, we know that we should treat them somehow else. Yeah, differently. Uh huh. So, what are you doing mm-hmm. in your in your in your own work about mitochondrial disease? Now that we know what they okay, we probably don't know exactly what they are, but because it's a it's a subject that it's continuously under study because it's something that was discovered much more recently than, for example, cancer, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm mainly interested in the function of mitochondria. Uh, both in disease and in a normal state, because it is still quite a mystery how mitochondria communicate with the rest of the cell, and the causes behind mitochondrial disease cannot be explained fully but by just lack of energy in each organ. Why does each organ react differently to different kinds of mitochondrial dysfunction is completely unknown. So I'm very interested in the relationship between the nuclear DNA and the mitochondrial DNA in this sense, and of course, the diseases that affect mitochondrial DNA and nuclear DNA are highly relevant for this. So I'm studying several diseases that basically affect how the mitochondrial DNA is replicated and how it's multiplying and how it's taken care of and how does that affect the entire cell, mainly in, in muscle cells in particular. I'm, I am looking into their how they develop and how the, do several diseases affect them in particular to try to understand them better and potentially treat them better. So I guess you spend a lot of time in the lab. I do spend a lot of time in the lab. <laughs> and what do you work with? So how does your lab day look like? So it it changes a lot depending on how on what stage of each project we are. Uh, many many of my projects involve cell culture, so we have cells from different patients or we use a lot of cancer cells just as a model um, in order to see how the mitochondria behave and to affect them in several ways. I'm now, as I said, mainly focusing on muscle. So I have muscle cells in culture that I can differentiate them into into actual muscle fibers that actually move and twitch on the plate. Oh, wow. So I can oh, I can look how the those muscle cells develop and how does the mitochondrial dysfunction affects them and just follow up on those things. So maybe one day I go to the lab and I have to spend my day in the cell culture room, changing the medium for the cells, feeding them, looking at them. Maybe sometimes I'm look at how mitochondria look like, stain them with, we can stain them with different fluorescent colors and see how they interact. Some other day I might be using patient samples and testing, doing different biochemical assays to look how their DNA works, how their RNA works, how many proteins they have of certain things. Trying to study biology is a highly complex system. Usually the cell is a highly complex system. So there's lots of things that we need to look at and lots of different techniques that we need to use to understand it. But that means that uh, you're using actual cells, not uh, synthetic cells? We're using actual cells. We oh, use wow. cells from that come from patients that have been frozen there, cells that come from mice. We use different types of cells. There's cell lines that are standard that everyone in the world has sort of the same cell line and we can compare them. Oh, wow. So I have one question. I don't know if, yeah, because I, I don't know anything about like cells. Yeah. 
But if, if for example, you mentioned the epilepsy and then the mitochondrial disease that also shows symptoms of epilepsy. So this one is, one of them is to do with the mitochondria, something, something to do with the mitochondria. But how about the other version? I mean, how, how do, are they triggered by different things then? They're, they may or may not be triggered okay. by different things. So the, as I said, the cell is a very complex system. So even though we are pretty far in understanding how biology works and how like our me medicine is very highly developed, there is still lots of things that we don't fully understand. And many the actual cause for many genetic diseases or many symptoms such as epilepsy, some of the epilepsies have been explained, some others have not. And uh, how a neuron works, which types of neurons are affected, is still under research. So we are not, we're not fully yet there to perfectly understand how these things work, but we're trying to get there. Okay. And also that I read that a person with the same type of mitochondrial disease actually has different symptoms. So a patient might show different symptoms from another patient. So even that is, it's a bit like mind-boggling. Yeah, we have we have highly challenging uh, disorders that present this kind of uh, strange uh, presentation that we basically have the the exact same disease and the exact same mutate well the exact same mutation but completely different diseases. So basically, the patient with the with the same affected by the same. Uh, Mutation. mutation has uh, maybe a disease in early childhood with epilepsy and another one has a very late age uh, disorder affecting muscle and has lived the whole life with the same mutation as a maybe a, a teenager that has epilepsy and is struggling very heavily and we don't understand yet why that happens or how and it's the challenge now to figure out if there is maybe other things affecting this, whether it's epigenetic. I'm not sure if you've done a podcast already on epigenetics. No, no but it's coming haven't. up. Not yet, but <laughs> it it's, it's, it's coming up. It will come or up. if there are other genetic changes or what is it that is modifying this. But it's a, it's a fascinating challenge. Wow. But okay, now that we know that, that it, it's a very complicated kind of, kind of disease or like diseases, since we can have many forms of mutations and very many forms of... of um, reaction of the of the human body let's talk about treatment so what has been done to treat this disease so the treatment is also a big challenge of course because uh as there are genetic diseases we can't uh directly cure them we cannot directly mm. modify the dna <laughs> of each cell in the patient's body so once the patient presents the disease we need to figure out how to improve the state of the patient and we hope that we can cure them, but the cure is not straightforward. So there are, according to each disease, there are some treatments that are being uh, tried to figure out, but everything is based on what we discover in the lab. So if we see certain cell type that is affected in a patient that maybe gets some things modified, and then we know that certain drug or certain vitamin or certain uh, other molecule can improve that then we can test it in the cells and if we see a good development then we can test it in other models and maybe eventually if we are pretty certain that that works then we can 
ask for patients, we can get ethical permissions, mm-hmm. and we can check if this actually helps the patients. But since we, since it is a very recent, uh, mitochondrial diseases have been recently properly described, then there is a lot yet to discover and to try and to hopefully help these patients. And I've been hearing a lot about this personalized medical treatment so that when you have you have those, all this collection about your the patient, the history and so on. So is it going that way that you could at some point really medicine will be personalized, whatever? Yeah. Well, I, 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 it is definitely going in that direction. Um, mitochondrial diseases in particular, well, the ones that we're studying are very rare and the patients that we have, we are studying very heavily. So th- that is by definition personalized medicine because we we un- we study their own cells and their own DNA and everything is done uh, from them. But in general, the rest of medicine is going in that direction. Getting DNA sequence, so reading the entire DNA is becoming more and more accessible and affordable and fast and we can nowadays understand much better how dna works and how diseases develop so slowly and surely this is going towards uh, personalized medicine and hopefully we'll understand more and more and be able to prevent diseases more and more that we still don't understand i have probably one last question before we we get to to the game um yeah, mitochondrial diseases are a bit like cancer, meaning that there are very different kinds of them. But yeah, they, they for example, yeah, cancer, there are so many and they are all called cancer because they have something in common. And probably there is something which uh, takes together all the mitochondrial diseases, but they don't have an actual short name like cancer, right? Yet. I mean, they're just called generally mitochondrial diseases. They don't have a... a, a yeah, a usually each, each disease that contains certain amounts of symptoms and certain patterns have a name, like Lee disease, or there is Midas, Ayoska. There is certain diseases that have a specific name because mm-hmm. they have been described as a specific disease mm-hmm. by doctors and maybe they discovered that it was mitochondrial later, but each disease has their own name is just that since they all share the pattern of mitochondrial dysfunction they are classified under mitochondrial disease yeah okay so let's let's try to go to the cytegory although i'm still i'm yeah this is really intense i mean i have never heard of this and it's such a complex disease yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that we are spreading awareness starting with ourselves yes yes okay and thank you very much juan for explaining us all this this complicated stuff yeah thank you for having me but it's not over yet, so let's nah. go into the Cytegory, which is to... <laughs> slightly related to, to Juan's work. So for the Cytegory, we have five categories, and Juan will choose uh, or generate a random letter, and then we'll answer, using that letter, we'll answer these categories. And the first one is, types of jobs after graduating with a science degree, because Juan, you're doing your um, master's, right? Yes, I'm yeah. doing my master's. And the second one is biomolecules, which I won't be able to answer anything for <laughs> The third category is inside a human body. So whatever we can find inside a human body. The fourth is cities for a conference, and, which is, of course, a science conference, not just any conference. And the fifth is stuff you find in a biolab. So Juan, you generated T. 
so we have two minutes to fill to fill uh, to complete each round, and we will have three of those. And now the first letter is T, and we start in three, two, one. Now, okay. So types of tea. jobs. Uh, biomolecules with T. I have no idea. Inside a human body. The... Oh, all all with T. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. See, it's for a conference, in... Toronto. Okay, you said Toronto. Toronto. Nice. Or oh, Tokyo. Or I like Canada. Let's go to Canada. Is that a human body? Um, the thyroid gland. Oh yeah. Okay. There's actually thyroid. immune cells that are called T cells. T cells. You know so much stuff. <laughs> well, okay, it's your subject. Uh, so. Biomolecules. The thyroid produces T4 and T3. Oh, T4 and T3. Which are hormones. Oh my god. Okay, so those are hormones. Um, uh, stuff you find in a bio lab? Yeah, what do you find in a bio lab? Because we have no idea. With T. Tungster? What is that? Isn't that the burning, burning tungster? I don't know. Bunsen burner. Oh yeah, why did I say tungster? <laughs> 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 tongs? Am I like making this tongs? 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 No. <laughs> the thingy. The things you grab stuff with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think you can call it tongs. Yeah, let's let's put that there. I'm I'm probably forgetting something highly important. Probably types of jobs I only can think about technician. Oh, Te technician, sure. yeah, technician, of course. Yeah. That's important. So we managed to do everything. Like technical developer, something with techniques. Yeah, yeah we managed to do all of it. Yeah, but wow, I mean, you you were so so. I guess we can. And we have thirty seconds left. So okay, we can seconds. add more biomolecules. Bio <laughs> okay. Thymidine is actually my favorite molecule. Why? Oh, what is that? It's it's the T in DNA. You know that DNA is A T C G. T is. Oh right. Thymidine. Okay, okay. I know that because of the movie Gattaca. So. Which movie? Gattaca. Oh, you haven't seen it. It's a really good movie. No. I have a question. So, what makes a molecule a hormone, or rather, what? Yeah. And this would have been our 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 ending. Our ending. But we were so good. Yeah. So, so a hormone molecule. How do you know it's a hormone, or what makes a hormone a hormone? So, hormones have been described a while ago, and they have not not sure the exact strict de definition, but basically, the hormones are signaling molecules in multicellular organisms. So, we have lots of cells. And they need to communicate with each other and hormones are basically those messengers that one type of cell will tell another one what to do what not to do how they're doing in this case these are thyroid hormones so the thyroid is told by other glands or by other cells that there is maybe too much food too little food what what is happening and then the thyroid will communicate the body whether they should build more stuff or burn more stuff or Okay. How to behave? So they're signaling molecules. They're molecules that cells use to communicate. So when you're when somebody says you're being hormonal because of your mood changes, <laughs> <laughs> is that because is is that because we have one hormone that's kind of making us? Well, I don't know. it's probably a highly misnomer because we're all being hormonal all the time because well, sure. otherwise we but, wouldn't be functioning. Yeah. But yeah, it's basically your maybe your stress response will activate hormones like adrenaline is a hormone and when you're stressed and you'll get a lot of adrenaline and then when you eat you might get insulin to then absorb that sugar and yeah we're insulin always insulin is a hormone as well yes insulin oh wow is a hormone. i didn't know adrenaline was a hormone no I no uh, yeah i didn't either wow we have to have more and more medical guests yes they, they teach <laughs> us so much stuff <laughs> should we go to round round two yes 
Oh, I got it now. K. K. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Why? Let's and go for it. Timer goes in three, two, one. Now. I will think about. Cities for a conference, Kyoto. Okay. Okay. Oh, we're going to Japan again. Okay. Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Inside a human body. With Kidneys. Brain. Oh yeah, kidney. Okay. Ooh. Yes. Biomolecules. I'm really that one. No, no, no. And stuff you find in a bio lab. Kits. Kits. Yes. Yes. <laughs> kits. We use lots of kits. Ah, I heard kids. <laughs> what do you want to Sometimes do? Sometimes we have visiting schools. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do on the kids? Types of jobs. Types of jobs. Oh, and when that, so we miss types of jobs and why biomolecules? I'm not of any use for the biomolecules, but I can think of a job. Knowledge. Guitar playing. Guitar <laughs> player. Guitar player. You know the guitar, the keyboard guitar? Oh, the guitar. That's a job after graduating with a science degree. With a science okay. degree, of course. Guitar <laughs> player. I think that's cheating. I think we have to find the more. Biomolecules. We can put ketone buddies. Oh, ketone! I know ketone. I don't. Okay, so only the types of jobs. I don't know words. Knowledge visualization. Knowledge guy. Like that you become a little Google. I want to have that degree. Knowledge guy. <laughs> knowledge guy. <laughs> Show up on TV De as the degree knowledge guy. In, degree in science. Profession. Knowledge, knowledge guy. guy. Mm. With a K. King. I mean. Obviously. <laughs> obviously, obviously. King of the world. Yeah. Obviously. King. I got my science degree to be the king of the world. Kids, kids, but okay. So obviously not kids, but you did. Um, we were talking before, and you mentioned that you have blood, goat blood in your lab. Can you tell us a bit about that? <laughs> yeah. So the way we measure things and the way we handle things in the lab are very highly based on how nature functions. So the way we have to basically get more DNA from the very little DNA that we get from a sample is using the enzyme that enzyme is a little protein. It's basically a small molecular machine that we isolate from maybe bacteria that is by nature does that. So we use lots of things that nature has produced through evolution to feed our needs. And that's what, well, most of the kids use these things. So to, replicate DNA, we use things from bacteria that replicate DNA, maybe to identify a specific protein or a specific thing that I need to identify in my in my sample, I will use antibodies that are antibodies that are normally produced by our bodies or by the bodies of different animals and different creatures that are basically designed to identify something in the blood that is maybe not supposed to be there and destroy it. And we can isolate that and we can use it to identify something in a sample and make it Fluoresce, for example, we have fluorescent antibodies and then whenever there is that thing there, it's going to shine and we can see it in the microscope. Yeah, I've seen a lot of like really cool art coming from labs. So that, yeah, that's cool. What's the, what's the weirdest material you've used? <laughs> I like this question. <laughs> the weirdest material I've used. Organic material, meaning, right? Or like 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, stuff he has done experiments on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Like you mentioned the serum and the blood and all that stuff. Give us good blood. (laughs) But now we know that blood doesn't have mitochondria. Now we know that. No, it does. The white blood cells have mitochondria. Ah, the white blood cells. Okay. It was the red one. Probably the weirdest thing that I've found in the lab is tubes of salmon sperm. Oh, wow. <laughs> Why would you use that for? I'm not exactly sure what they're used for. Okay. And I think that adds to the fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're probably doing ask... some you're probably doing some witchcraft in there. Who knows? I wow. feel like a wizard most of the time. So would it say like would it, was it labeled like salmon sperm? sperm? Yes, it was from a company. It was a very serious product. It might be, I think it's used for something related to the DNA that has a particularity, but Okay. Wow. Lots of things in medicine and biology are done very traditionally since a very long time ago, and now we just have fancier kits with the same ingredients. So. Okay. So if we're also now pre- we're working on labs to get meat produ- or food even produced in labs, are we going to be able to produce all this weird stuff in labs without having to get actual salmon sperm? Most likely, yeah. <laughs> Many of the things we use, we still use them because uh, it works. Mm. There are, as I said, things are just too complex to understand in detail. And of course, we could understand it in detail. But as long as there is something available that works, we're yeah. going to use what works. Yeah. We are, for example, it's very common to use milk in the lab, like actual powdered cow milk. And we know how to do this with a, this specific isolated protein that works the same way. But it's just easier to go to the supermarket and buy milk than okay. to spend a fortune sure, on sure. something purified and mm. and, yeah. and fancy and chemical while normal milk still works okay yeah. now i'm imagining you with all your crew of, of, of teammates going with still wearing the you know the white coat <laughs> going to all together to the supermarket buying cow milk yeah. milk for coffee and milk for western blots yes yeah. <laughs> putting it on your coffee okay uh, let's the go for the last one around last round P. P. Oh, no V this time. P, P, P. Yeah, P there is no potato. V this time. No yes. violets. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, timer starts in 3, 2, 1, now. So stuff in the bio lab, pipettes. Oh, we yeah. use them all oh, the time. That yes. is our best friend. It's our magic wand, <laughs> the pipette. Yeah, if, if Harry Potter would be in a, in a bio lab, then the, the wand would be the pipette. A right? micro pipette, yes. <laughs> so that's the little tube to suck in liquids. Yes. Yeah. Uh, see this for a conference. Can we go Paris? to France? Yes, I think we go. We should go to France. <laughs> I was thinking about Portland, but I think the Paris is probably better. Portland. Yeah. Okay. So we already talked about insulin, so let's go for pancreas. Oh yeah. Okay. Which Ooh, is the organ that makes yeah. insulin? How many organs we have? A lot. We are so complicated. Types Bio. of jobs after graduating PhD student. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but, okay. Well, yeah. PhD student, postdoc, PI—they all oh, start with a P. <laughs> postdoc, PI, PI for per, uh, principal investigator. PI. Science. P is a very science. President. President. We have president. Kane, we have to have yes. president. Yeah. Well, if we have, yeah, definitely. So this is like. What do we? Show. What do we've done? Everything. No. No biomolecules. Bio- bio- <laughs> so my, as I said, thymidine is my favorite molecule, and it's in the group of pyrimidines. So that starts oh, with a P, so I let's go for that. Pyrimidines, it's P-Y. Like pyramids, like the pyramids. I'm, I'm just guessing, yes. I have no idea. I'm just so guessing. So T and C are pyrimidines, and then A and G are purines. 
in the I, rem I remember these letters, yes. <laughs> and they, they combine different they combine. combinations, right? Oh, okay. C binds to, to G and T binds to A. And they are the proteins? No, what are they? D they form DNA. They form the DNA. They're the building yes. blocks in DNA. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I just remember the letters. It's you watch Gattaca and then you remember them. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a movie. But what's the name? Gattaca. 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 Yeah, double T. Gattaca. Gattaca. Yeah. Is that what from is the 90s? about? Okay, let me stop. Let me stop the counter in the meanwhile. Oh no, it could. Oh, just okay. no need, no need. Uh, no, no. Okay, since uh, well, one one other thing about our podcast, Juan, is that uh, we, for some reason or another, we we've, we've talked a lot movies. about films, a lot. <laughs> and I think it's always me coming up with like, have you seen this movie? Yeah, yeah, it's true. So let, now let's go for the the science basement podcast movie club. Please tell me about this film. <laughs> it's with Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. And it's about, I mean, why, why would I know a lot about medicine and diseases if I watched Okay, I movie? don't think I would be the first person to say it, but I mean, because you probably know better. I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen what? it! Okay, well, it's or about... I might it's have about, seen it, I don't even remember. Well, you can, it's, it's, they, okay, the family has one normal child, like, yeah, he's just born the way he's born, and then the other one, they actually, they can actually select with which genes to, they make like this... Um, designer baby. Designer baby, They yeah. design the baby, oh. Yeah. So then it's this thing of the perfect kind of child and a guy who's just going to do whatever it takes to get to the space which he wants to go. He wants to go to space. Yeah. So it's kind of this thing of, you know, the nor like like natural human and the one with selected beneficial genes. The engineered baby. Yeah. And they want to go to space. Oh my god, I must watch it. You should watch the movie. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, biology and, and space, space at the same exactly. time. And so space. this is like the movie for today. Okay, <laughs> today the science basement recommends Gattaca. Yes. I don't know if it's pronounced like this, but yeah, I would. I, would I mean, I think it that. stands for the actual DNA basis. Yeah, so yeah, it's G A T T A C A. That's what I'm saying. Oh, you should watch it that you remember. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I stop now. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, time to go to. Oh, thank you for the game. We did. We did awesomely. Yeah, we awesome. them. Awesome, awesome. We'll yeah, apart from guitar player or king. Oh yeah, well, king and president, why not? <laughs> I mean, you, you can be a king. Yeah, and president. We can replace it for a key advisor. Key advisor? Of key the president. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> or of the king. <laughs> key advisor of the king. Double K. Um, okay, time to go for our anecdote, which uh, is a quick story about um, our... Alexander Fleming discovered the penicillin, I think is pronounced. Yeah. Yes. And it's for the series of weird discoveries that were really not expected. A bit like when in one of the previous episodes we, dis we talked about discovering the microwave. <laughs> discovering, yeah. inventing the microwave as, uh, as a mistake. Exactly same here. So uh, Fleming, Alexander Fleming, uh, we are in the, in the, towards the end of the 1920s, so 1927, 29 more or less. Um, and Alexander Fleming um, was obviously a scientist and, and uh, he had been investigating the proper properties of the Staphylococci, I believe it's pronounced. So he basically had, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but like when you have uh, stuff growing, you have like, you know, under under glass, right? Yes. And, and then you just, and then, yeah, under... What's the name? Petri dishes. 
We call them Petri dishes. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 this Strafilococci, like, under, under, yeah, under observation and stuff. But then he went to vacay, of course. Because came in vacation. Yeah, vacay means vacation. Uh, and, and... <laughs> Which is, a very, which is a very important part of our, of our otherwise we, we, we get crazy if, you, if we work 24-7, right? Too late. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. And, and, but yeah, so he went out for vacay in August and then he came back uh, on the 3rd of September 1928, back from, from vacay. So imagine Fleming coming back still with like his Hawaiian shirt and being super happy because of the vacay went very well. Before, before leaving, he had stacked all his cultures of Strafilococci uh, on a bench at the corner of his lab. And when he came back, he discovered that there was a fungus or like a mold uh, had developed in one of the samples. And, and all the Strafilococci right around this fungus uh, had died, while all the others further away from the, from the mold had survived. So he apparently famously, I, uh, I don't know if it's an actual quote, but apparently he said, oh, that's funny. And, and then uh, he decided to grow, uh, again, this fungus in a, in a pure culture. And, and he discovered that he produced a substance that was killing a lot uh, of, of a number of uh, bacteria that were causing diseases. So he then identified this uh, fungus uh, as being from the penicillium genus. And, and, and yeah, and then uh, that's how the penicillin was discovered that now can kill a lot of bacteria for us. And apparently, what he, one of his quotes uh, was, when I woke up just after dawn on September 28th until uh, 28th, uh, I certainly didn't plan to revolutionize uh, all medicine by discovering the world's first antibiotic or bacteria killer, but I suppose that was exactly what I did. Humble. Yeah, hashtag, I was going to say, like, okay. Hashtag bragging about it. <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> hashtag bragger. <laughs> Cool. But yeah, I mean, uh, accidental discoveries are always uh, an interesting issue, right? Yeah. Has uh, any accidental discovery been made in your in the field of, of mitochondrial diseases, as, as far as you know? Not as funny, definitely not. Not as far as I know. But yeah. But is... I'll keep you posted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you have any questions, just send them to us through email if you have questions for Juan. Yes. I have. I still have a lot of questions for Juan. I think. I think I will keep asking him stuff after yeah. this. After Let's we, go for coffee. Yeah, we will go for a coffee after this episode is is over to be recorded. I guess. But thank you so much, Juan. This was really interesting. Thank you very much for having me, and congratulations on the on the great show. <laughs> thank you, and thank you so much for educating us in first and also the listeners about this this. Yeah, this disease that definitely uh, uh, deserve to be spread. I mean, uh, to be spread in, in knowledge, not the disease itself, yeah, yeah, but sure. like <laughs> the knowledge of the disease needs to be spread. I mean, it, we have to be aware. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much. Quick recap of the links as usual: uh, Instagram at science underscore basement, Twitter at science basement, and you can always drop us an email at the science basement dot gmail dot com. Thank you, Juan, again, and thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Erika. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. See, you in, see you in two weeks. Yes. Bye. Bye. Yay. The science is